Disney's Boardwalk Resort is perfect for both resort guests and Disney Vacation Club members. The Boardwalk Villas embody the ambiance and comfort of summer cottages. And the Boardwalk Inn is a beautiful and spacious tribute to the heyday of the Atlantic Coast. Nearby, you'll find Atlantic Dance, a new swing and dance hall, plus the ESPN Club, Spoodles, and other delicious restaurants. In fact, there's a whole host of waterfront fun just waiting for you. Water fun, waterfront fun, as they say, waiting for you. Spoodles. Spoodles. ESPN. Oh. Rip. Things you think about when you're thinking about the boardwalk. Yes. No. Sorry, everybody. Some of the things are not there anymore, <laughs> but that was a clip from 1997, like those Walt Disney World planning videos that usually is what I'm pulling sound from for yeah. these episodes. Which I'm kind of glad we have because also I was able to find the Orlando Sentinel article yeah. about when the open, and I was looking at it and then I'm thinking, oh yeah, because we're in the 90s. So yes. it's good to have some extra information in there, but you know, anyways, how's your week been? Excellent. Did some park stuff that I want to talk about. Was able to head to Magic Kingdom to see the debut of Mickey's Magical Friendship Fair. Yeah. And um, yeah, and reading some fun articles from the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. Talk about some boardwalk fun today. All the all the yeah. Dis nerd stuff that we get ourselves into as we do these episodes. Um, would you like to hear a little bit from Mickey's Magical Friendship Fair? Always. I would, it'd be weird if you said no. I'm like, all right, well, moving on. We'll talk about something else. Yeah. Um, it's a reimagining, if you will, which we had mentioned of the Mickey's Royal Friendship Fair, mm -hmm. which is to say, it's the exact same show except at the right. end they have a new they have a new uh, song, which is cool. Okay. And I was obviously, what the difference like, what was the difference because is. yeah, <laughs> when I was watching your clips, I'm like, isn't that what they did before? Okay. Yes. Well, they didn't all say right. they had advertised it as a. Uh, a partial reimagining they phrase it better than that but they said they just included a little bit of extra magic for the 50th which is true the the main characters are in their 50th anniversary outfits the spiel before the show starts talks about the 50th anniversary and then at the end they have a new song where the magic feels like home or something like that okay um and that's what i have a clip of so if you're wondering right. what that new song sounds like i think this is a new just another freaking Disney earworm. They know what they're doing, oh, these gosh. people over there. So um, this is about like a minute-ish long. So sit back and relax okay. and enjoy a little uh, ending of Mickey's Magical Friendship Fair. Magic feels like home. There's a lot of words in there. Yeah, it's, you know what? It does feel a little drawn out as I'm listening to that. But one of my favorite things about these songs is like the escalation of the high pitch voice of the, yeah. is that, what is that? An alt, alt soprano, alto 
it's what is the word I'm looking for? Most of it sounded like it was more like baritone alto. Yeah, but like whatever, like that, and it just it gets higher up. and higher. Yeah, like yeah. every time there's like a key change and it gets higher, I'm like yes, and then like glass like, starts key breaking. Change. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I have something that's kind of Disney related, but not super okay. Disney related. Um, so we'll switch gears here, but it's also about earworms. So okay. <clears throat> Doug came across this band. He said it was like an Instagram post or something. And the band is called Lawrence. So it's like Lawrence, the band. And they're like pop soul, funky. And so he started listening to some clips and stuff. And then we were like, you know, started like looking up some things and it has a connection to the movie Noel. And so hmm. they're like, um, it's a brother sister that are like the main two people in this band. And their last name is Lawrence. So that's why it's like Lawrence, the band. But I think there's like an eight person set. They have like horns and um, like saxophone. Okay keys like all the you know drums all the instruments um so we were all like how old are these people like let's i want to look them up so i looked them up on wikipedia and i wanted to read some of this because um one they're incredible if you are into kind of like you know pop soul funky type stuff okay then you definitely need to listen to this stuff because there's one song that they have it's called don't lose sight it is a bop it will get in your head and you cannot get it out of your head doug's been playing it like nonstop. (laughs) And I'm not mad at it because it is a really good song. But anyway, so the two, the brother and sister are Clyde and Gracie Lawrence. And their father is Mark Lawrence. So he's a filmmaker, screenwriter. He's a director. Um, He did like Miss Congeniality and Music and Lyrics. Those are kind of some of the big movies that he did. But when Mark, uh, when he was working on Miss Congeniality in 2000, he wasn't pleased with his options for like the Miss United States pageant theme song. I mean, we've all like... Hopefully you've all seen Miss Congeniality. It is yes. an amazing song. Um, but basically Clyde at the time was like five. And so he turned to Clyde and he was like, hey, you know, something's wrong with this. I don't know. Like, I don't really like this. And Clyde wrote his own version of this song. And the film's producers chose it without knowing that he hmm. wrote it. So at five years old, he Holy wrote moly. this. Yeah. And so the Miss United States pageant anthem that Clyde composed is like the one that was featured in the film. There is a guy named Cody Fitzgerald, and he, like Clyde and Cody Fitzgerald, composed the entire score for the Disney film Noel, Disney Plus, when it came out on Disney Plus in 2019. Ah, okay. So that's why, like, if you go to the thing, you'll see, like, it says Clyde, um, Clyde Lawrence on there. And um, they, both of them together, are the youngest people to serve as composers for a Disney film. Wow. So it was just, like, crazy to kind of put yeah. all that together and then be like, okay, yeah, they're, like, this this guy and his sister. They're, like, in their 20s. She's an actress. Um, she's done a bunch of acting and stuff. But um, obviously, like, they both do, you know, this band now. They travel around with the band. But I just thought that was kind of cool. And um, their music is really great. I feel like we're late to the game on yeah. them, like, finding them as a band. So if you're <laughs> a fan, you know, you then you already know how cool they are. And if not, check them out. It's just Lawrence, the band. You can find them on um, – spotify like anywhere you want to listen to but um i would say her voice is very unique like some people might find it they just it's not their thing but if it is your thing like it's incredible just her vocal range is incredible in general um but yeah so listen to the song don't lose sight it is like it will get in your head and you just want to continue listening over and over again Hmm. yeah so highly recommend it and yeah and then in other Disney things that I found out, I wanted to share a fact that I found. And also okay. something else I didn't know about. Um, you probably knew about this, but for some reason it didn't register when I saw it. Uh, but when you take your buttons, you can take your buttons, the free ones that you get from Disney, and you can go to the Yield Christmas shop and pay $3 and they'll like glow it up for you. Because mm. you know how they always put, um, they'll put 
names or dates on ornaments and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they have the personalization service at yeah. E.O. Christmas Shop, like they so, do in the Christmas Shop in Disney Springs, yes. Yeah, so if you're like always wondering, like, what are those people doing out there or doing yes. this at the desk and stuff? That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize that you could go in there and they just charge you $3 and they can, like, do whatever, you know, write whatever it is on your button that you're wanting. So whatever your – it could be a name or what you're celebrating. And um, so there's a little pro tip for you. Yeah. And then the last thing that I have is um, I did not know this, and maybe you've seen this, um, like seen this fact. And I know that it's like year. I'm again. I'm like I'm so late to the game on this, and maybe other people knew this, but it was about Toy Story too. So someone at Toy Story um, at Pixar deleted all of Toy Story two. I think they said it was like ninety percent of the film um, was deleted, and the backup hadn't worked for months. So the only reason that we saw Toy Story two was because. Galen Sussman she was on maternity leave at the time and she had a copy of it on her home computer and so they I guess were like freaking out and she's like okay I have a copy on my computer and so the only reason we saw that was because Galen Sussman was on maternity leave and had a copy of it and to Mm. me that is nuts Um, and the reason that's kind of cool is because she's the new producer for the Lightyear movie so like she obviously was working worked on the Toy Story like project she was on all the working on all the Toy Story things um, but I just came across somebody that posted that and was like, is this true? And then I looked it up and it's like in a bunch of different places. So, uh, but yeah. you did some Disney things, didn't you? Yeah. You're always well, doing Disney things. So let me ask you, what was the Disney things you did this week? Well, other than going to Magic Kingdom for, yeah. uh, Mickey's Magical Friendship Fair, where it was hot. Yeah. Was very sweaty. If you followed along on our Instagram when I was posting some videos, literally sweat dripping down all parts of my body, all the gross parts of the body. And, the best um, parts. <laughs> yes. Um, that was really it. I didn't do a whole lot of stuff, but then we did go out to dinner um, to Beaches and Cream. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, Beaches and Cream within walking distance of the boardwalk, which is what our big topic of conversation On is On the today. boardwalk. <laughs> boardwalk. People are probably like, how has Beth not sang that yet? Yeah, I was thinking about that, but... You know, it's not really a Disney song, but I was like, oh, no, I wonder if we, not at all. we can incorporate that. That's the first thing I think of whenever I hear the boardwalk in is that freaking song. Because You did get was... meatballs again, didn't you? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. See, this is how you pay more attention to my life than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, did go back to the Polynesian to get those coconut Thai, Thai coconut meatballs, and they're just as good. They're just so freaking good. Um, and then I sweated them right out when yep, I, when I went to Magic Kingdom. Get that salty meat. I think I picked the wrong date to have uh, meat. I didn't realize it was going to be that hot out. I also shared with you the 50th anniversary chocolate moose pyramid from Epcot that looked incredible. Yes. I don't you know knock, if this... You crack it open. Yeah. I don't know if this thing tastes good, but it sure dang looks good. Yes. Uh, it is iridescent chocolate. Like yes. I know you talked before about the iridescent like icing that was not on the cupcake. Correct. At the Grand this Floridian. This definitely yeah. looks like iridescent chocolate. And they show... Okay. Um, it was on the Disney Food Blog Instagram that I saw it. Uh, Cause it comes with like ice cream scoops on the side. I think it's like a tiramisu thing. And then the actual pyramid is um, it has a bunch of chocolate mousse on the inside. When you crack it open, it just looks so good. So if you're out and about, I mean, I mean the shape of it, it's just, they have little steps on the pyramid. I don't know. When they crack that thing open, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to go to the store and get ice cream for tonight. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta satisfy that craving. I totally get I that. do. Mm. Weekends are the um, hardest for me. Good for Disney food blog for posting that because I would say one out of every 20 posts they do is actually food related. So good for them to get their one out of 20. 
You're applause. Good job. There we go. Um, also, goodness. everyone is posting about the Star Wars galaxy. What? Star there's Wars a, Galactic there's an Star opening? Cruiser. There's something's happening? I mean, we're just not really, you know, it's one of those things where it looks really cool, everyone. And also, I know how much money those people are spending to do those experiences. And the average person is not going to be able to do all of that. So if you get to do it, cool. We might have some people on that we know that are um, going to be doing that. And that seems like a really fun thing to do. I mean, it obviously it seems incredibly themed. Everything is incredibly themed. Um, but I think it's just one of those things that I personally am only going to be looking at other people doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, that I'm not like I my level of Star Wars fandom is nowhere near yeah. enough to yeah. do that. I, I don't think I'd understand stuff, to be honest, the stuff yeah. that's going on, because I really I like barely watched the movies. Right. Like I'm not it's not my thing. However, if there was a Marvel version of that. Greg would, I think, like, I think I would go because I think, you like, think you I'm, I feel like I'm fully invested in that universe, yeah. so to speak. Um, I mean, some of the clips that I've seen of just the characters and the makeup that they, that I know that they're yeah. having to put on for those types of things. And I don't know how long those shifts are for them, but theming wise, it looks absolutely legit. So, um, it's just one of those, like, I don't know, everyone's posting about it. So you can kind of go look and yes. see what it's all about. And leave it to the fair and balanced uh, internet audience to leave <laughs> yeah. only constructive criticism comments right, right, on right. the influencers and bloggers who were invited and hosted by Disney, um, which is right. their thing. Right. Um, all right. Well, we're here today to talk about some uh, Disney's Boardwalk Inn and the villas at Disney's Boardwalk. And this was the first time where we're covering a resort. We're doing a resort rundown episode in both the, I'm going to say regular, the regular mm-hmm. resort and the Disney Vacation Club um, side of the resort open at the same time. Everything yeah. else we've done and the example of like the contemporary that opened in 1971 and then Bay Lake Tower opened in 2009. That's like a huge gap of time. Yeah. This is the first time where it's open simultaneously. So we kind of get a bit of a twofer here. So we'll talk about the inn a little bit because obviously the rooms are different between the inside and the villas side but all of the amenities are shared between the two there's no difference there and honestly if you didn't know they were villas you probably wouldn't have noticed right if you just look at the buildings you think it's all one big hotel but they are separated one side is one and one side is the other yeah and i um i do want to give a shout out to i think it's mouseplanet.net they i i'm pretty sure the article it was like a two-part article that they posted and i'm pretty sure they probably did i think they mentioned this in the article too they did one of those tours kind of like how greg did where the when you get the history of a hotel oh yeah so there is a ton of information on there um a lot more about the theming so we're going to mention some things on here but they have like a you know extremely comprehensive thing about like all the things that they have theming wise um that are artifacts, I guess, because there's a lot of artifacts, like real yes. things at this resort. Um, so I thought that was a really cool article to go back and read because it's always nice when you're getting that information like straight from Disney. So mm. I do have yes. information from that article at Mouse Planet and then also the Orlando Sentinel article that was posted in the 90s right before the hotel was opening. Okay. So, um, just kind of telling you where I'm getting my information from. And I'm going to read some quotes, too, because I love a good newspaper article. <laughs> Did you have to pull up your microfiche in the library and, and scroll through? Right. <laughs> I know. It just felt weird when I pulled it up because in my head I was like, is this real? And then I was like, oh, this was oh, yeah. an extra article because we're in yeah. the 90s now. So yeah. it's kind of nice to be getting some of that information, you know, because 
we're not going to be looking up newspaper articles from the 70s. Although we no. could have, I guess. We probably could have. but Could have. Just, you know, we're going in, in order of when these resorts open. Yeah. So, right, this is 1996. Mm-hmm. So, before you know it, we're going to be in the 2000s. And it's not going to be that long <laughs> yeah. ago that some of these resorts open. For sure. So, all right, we're going to start about start out with what Disney says about this resort. It says, experience the charm and whimsy of turn-of-the-century Atlantic City at this waterfront resort hotel. Make a splash at the Luna Park pool and delight in a ma- massage at the state-of-the-art fitness center. Discover carnival games, unique dining, and exciting nightlife on the Coney Island-style boardwalk. Strung like saltwater taffy along the shimmering Crescent Lake, Disney's Boardwalk Inn is located within walking distance to both Epcot and Disney's Hollywood Studios. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. Let's jump into a little bit of history. Some of these things are kind of all going to be tied together. Um, okay. But basically, the original boardwalk was created as a way to keep tourists uh, from tracking sand into, like, hotels and businesses. So up in the real Atlantic City in New Jersey, this is where this whole thing came about. Um, it also kept people, like, from getting dirty, per se. Like, if they had guests that wanted to enjoy the, like, seaside vibe. Um, but they didn't want to get sandy and stuff. This is another reason why the boardwalk was made. Um, and so obviously the boardwalk, this is all done after the real one in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Um, I had asked Greg before if he grew up going to the boardwalk or if this was a thing for him, because it seems like this was a big deal for people from New York or, you know, mm-hmm. that lived up in the north, that this was like a thing because the original boardwalk opened, uh, the original one in the United States opened on June 26th of 1870. So it ain't, it ain't, you know, like a new thing. No, it's been around. It's yeah. seen some things. Yes, for sure. Uh, originally the boardwalk, the original one, it was just eight feet wide and a mile long. So this was kind of where they started. And then after eight like. Eight feet wide is not very wide. That is right? not very like, wide. Yeah. yeah. Like if you think about it, they just kind of like made this little thing. And when you think about what you look at today, you're like, what? Oh, yeah. Um, But after like over time, it has expanded to six miles long and 60 feet wide. So that's kind of probably more what we know today. Cut to the Boardwalk Inn and Villas Resorts. It was designed by Roger. Uh, Roger. It was designed by Robert A.M. Stern. He also designed many other Disney buildings like the Disney's uh, Yacht and Beach Club Resorts that are just across the other side of Crescent Lake. Um, you know, and this resort opened on July 1st of 1996. So Stern's approach to architecture is more interpretation. So meaning he takes a lot of things that exist in real life um and then he tries to make his own version of them so we talked about this in doge's palace in venice um italy which utilizes the act those aspects to create something new um like the walt disney world casting center and then across the street from downtown disney district just like a lot of things that he builds echoes original things in other places in in the real world if you will yeah so he envisioned this resort as sort of like a village across the water, which would be like a place where frazzled tourists could take a day off from the theme parks or spend a romantic evening. Mm. Uh, in the early planning for this resort, there was a discussion about having a full-size antique carousel operating at one end of the boardwalk. But I obviously took that out because I yes. think that would have been a lot. <laughs> um, another idea discussed was having a wooden pier, which would be like a smaller version of the steel pier near near Atlantic City's boardwalk. Um, that would go out into the Crescent Lake and then, among other things, like have a working Ferris wheel to entertain guests, things like that. So these are a lot of the ideas that they had coming up with. Um, so kind of in the same way that Hollywood Studios tries to sort of like represent Hollywood glam from the past, like where it's more of a state of mind, not necessarily an actual place. The Boardwalk Inn and Villas 
um, was to capture what Todd A. Linehan, who's the architecture and engineer design manager for Disney's Imagineering at the time, he called this location uh, like a romanticized, uh, that it would romanticize people's recollection of what a boardwalk was. Yes. So I wanted it to be more of like the aura of the boardwalk, not necessarily the actual like replica, if you will. Does that make sense? Yeah, you couldn't go to the shirt shop or whatever it was on Jersey Shore yeah. and and see them working there. It was more more just the fun like highlight reel of a boardwalk. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for Walt Disney World, it's been described as the finishing touch to the Epcot Resort area and mm. yet another opportunity to keep visitors on Disney's property when they come uh, come to Orlando. Okay, so now I'm going to read a quote from the Orlando Sentinel here. Uh, this is just kind of like a blurb that I thought would be great to read. Since Mark Nichols, the Disney producer in charge of developing entertainment at Boardwalk, describes it this way. It's going to be very much a car- of a carnival atmosphere at night, festive but not manic. Uh, Boardwalk opens at a time when Disney's hotels and theme parks are busier than they have been in years. There has been so much demand for hotel rooms this year that the company has had to refer business to other hotels during peak periods, Disney executives say. Though Disney won't provide numbers, Alan Gould, an entertainment analyst with the New York investment banking firm Oppenheimer & Co., estimates Disney's hotel occupancy at close to 90%, way above the national average. Hmm. So this was um, at a time where they had a lot of demand. Um, yeah. You know, so it was a good time for them to open this. The Boardwalk Inn was the second Disney Vacation Club property that was built at Walt Disney World, and it was the first option to uh, offer housing to non-members. Hmm. So Interesting. Yeah, because we talked about the first one was like you had to be a DVC person. Yes. Uh, the first Disney complex, this was the first Disney complex that combined hotels, restaurants, and entertainment and shopping area, like all in a single location. Mm. So this is a big deal for Disney because they had all these things in one place. So I'm sure this project was just ginormous in the, you know, getting it together. Uh, they do, the inn and the villas share a common lobby with the rest of the resort. So Greg, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, about that too. And the decor inspired by the seaside districts, the decor, sorry, the decor is inspired by the seaside districts of the North e- Northeastern United States in the 20th century. There are a ton of architectural touches that are reminiscent of Cape May, New Jersey with a Coney Island feel to the boardwalk. So this is kind of where we talk about how there's a lot of different things pulled in here for this whole like aura of the boardwalk. Uh, the resort is filled with tons of artifacts and references to both Atlantic City and Coney Island. And we'll talk about some of those in a little bit here. It had 378 rooms and was connected to 532 timeshare units by this large lobby. Uh, so here's another little quote here. It says, in the evening, guests will be able to sit in the lounge and listen to the 1930s radio programs such as Burns and Allen or The Untouchables on an old radio. By day, they can walk around the lake to the back entrance of Epcot or take a boat ride to Disney MGM Studios. Yes, Disney MGM. That's still a thing, by the way. What yeah. what they're referring to there is in the Bellevue Lounge. There are these little radios in the on the tables there, and they're, they like they still play sound, which is and they're talking about crazy. radio stations that are like this, yeah, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, it has a twenty thousand square foot conference center with shops, pools, tennis courts, and other amenities, which Greg mm-hmm. will talk about in a little bit. Uh, the complex also has a lakefront entertainment area with restaurants, nightclubs, and a brew pub serving beer made on site which are all located on this boardwalk. There's a ton of stuff to do over there. All right. Now we're going to talk a little bit about some aspects, um, some things that are named after theming uh, that Greg found. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, But if you want more information on like the artifacts, like I mentioned before, mouseplanet.net is just a great source for that. There's so many actual things, like little artifactual things that are um, there that are callbacks to 
other things we've talked about. So the first one is the Luna Park Pool. This is the feature pool in the boardwalk. It's named after the Luna Park of Coney Island, which opened in 1903. It was a big deal at the time and was known for its rides, ornate towers, and over 250,000 electrical lights. Uh, it was opened by two entrepreneurs, which are Frederick, Tom- Frederick Thompson and Elmer Skip Dundee. What a name. Mm. Elmer Skip Dundee. Uh, Dundee had a sister and eventually a daughter named Luna. So this is the name of the park, Luna Park Pool. And then you've got Dundee's Sundries. This is the small retail location just off the main lobby of the resort. Uh, of course, it's named after chosen Elmer Skip Dundee. So who's the co-creator of the real Luna Park that we just talked about? So that's why best Dundies ever. Yeah. I feel God in this Chili's tonight. It's <laughs> the first thing I <laughs> think I of when God I hear that. I feel God in this Chili's tonight. Yes, the Dundies. <laughs> oh my gosh. Best Dundies ever. Woo! <laughs> drunk, drunk Pam. Love it. <laughs> and I feel God. <laughs> Just now it's making me laugh. Uh, the biggest room at the boardwalk is the steeplechase suite. So, of course, it's not randomly named. The real Luna Park at Coney Island wasn't the only park there. It wasn't even the original name. Before being taken over by Frederick Thompson and Skip Dundee, it was called Sea Lion Park. Sea Lion Park failed due to the um, competition of the more successful nearby attraction, Steeplechase Park. So that's where mm. you get the steeplechase suite. Um, and then this park was one of three on Coney Island. So Luna Park was one, and the third was called Dreamland. Mm, so original. However, Steeplechase was one of the longest-lasting parks on Coney Island, uh, ran for 67 years. So naturally, the biggest room at the boardwalk is named after it. So that's why we have the Steeplechase. Sweet. Yeah. I, I don't know if anyone else out there does this, and maybe it's why we do a podcast on Disney stuff, but every now and then if I'm in a Disney resort and they name something, something like a pool Random. doesn't need a name, right? Like typically I feel like if you go somewhere to a hotel, it's it's a pool. Why would you name it something, right? It's like, oh, that, that's where the pool is. But I was on Google Maps and it said Luna Park. I'm like, that's right. There's a name for this. Like, why is it called Luna Park? And sure enough, if you look up Luna Park, actually the Luna Park name wound up being a name of like 40 or so theme parks around the country by the same guy. Yeah. So he was considered to be, his last name was Ingersoll. I forget his first name, but Ingersoll uh, was noted as being, or believed to be, or was touted as being the first uh, person to own a chain of theme parks, all named Luna Park. But the very first one was the one on Coney Island, right. the one that this pool was named after. So if you're in an area where there's a Luna Park, it's probably based on the Luna Park, just like the pool is, just like every other Luna Park based on the one in Coney Island. Yeah. It's, yeah. Anything that you see that has any kind of name, you're like, oh, I got to look it up because they, <laughs> I know it's after something. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of other, you know, like I'll, I'll give you one example here. So there's like Swan Ride. Um, this is from the Mouse Planet article. On a table in the middle of the room is an authentic two-headed swan seat. Okay. So there's a seat, two-headed swan seat. According to the nearby sign, it is of European origin from the period of large-themed carousels dedicated to one species of animal, bird, or fish. These grand rides had dispensed with rocking gondolas or spinning tubes in favor of these more fanciful creations. Giant baskets carried the passengers on a menage de... I don't even know how you say it, but it means ride of pigs. Uh, This swan (laughs) seat originally hung from chairs and rocked on the carousel floor from the shifting weight of the children inside. Iron and tin with hand painting and gold leaf circa 1890. So like that's just one of the things that you will find um, around these resorts. And there's like a story for each one of them. It's insane. I, I was like, I can't even get through all these. There's, we would be here forever <laughs> if I was reading through yeah. them. Um, there is a miniature carousel in the lobby as well. So that has like a whole other storyline to it from Coney Island 
just all the things. Um, so if you're really interested in um, a lot more of those details, you can check that out. Yeah. And, and you mentioned in your talk about what the original vision of Boardwalk mm-hmm. included, and that was potentially a fully functional carousel or a Ferris wheel. Yeah. Instead of the fully functional carousel, they have the miniature version mm-hmm. of the lobby. Or out by the pool, the Luna Park pool, they have the Leaping Horse Libations, which is like themed to be a carousel, but yeah. obviously is not a carousel. It's just a place to get drinks. Drinks. And then they went up not having a full ferris wheel but instead you can find ferris wheels on the fabric on the, yeah. as a pattern they're on like, some of the curtains we gotta have them in almost somewhere. the same thing <laughs> yeah while you're showering or while you're sitting on the toilet in the room you're looking at the shower curtain just know that that's yeah. the version of the ferris wheel that wound up at the resort and not they a big gave ferris the wheel. real ferris wheel to pixar pier in disneyland so yeah Ooh, and what a ferris wheel that is yeah all right we were ready to talk about the two different resorts the rooms they have mm-hmm. and of course as always Got some uh, tips for your stay, some pros and cons, some experiences I've had staying at this resort, and, or I guess really both of these resorts, if, if you will. Um, so let's start with the type of category the resorts are. This is, again, a unique situation where there are two different resorts all wrapped up in one. So yeah. the Boardwalk Inn is a deluxe resort, but the villas at the Boardwalk are a deluxe villa category of resort. Um, either one of those are available for the extra, whatever they call them now, the extra magic hours at certain parks on certain days of the week at all deluxe and above, which is really deluxe and deluxe villa, are able to do that. So that's one perk if you're wondering what you get out of this price range, which is anywhere from $510 on a the cheapest day of the week and the cheapest season, all the way up to $4,252. That's per night plus yeah. tax. Um, is that generally for the steeplechase suite? That's for the steeplechase suite. Okay. Yeah, that's the most expensive price for the steeplechase. I will say that something to keep in mind with resort prices is that that $510 low range, but really at any resort when you see a posted price, um, it's it assumes two adults. So for every adult you add on up to the maximum that can stay in the room, you're adding on between $25 and $30, $35 a person depending on the category of the resort. So if you're staying, if, you know, just two of you, it could be five ten a night on the cheapest season, the cheapest night. But if there are four of you, just know that it would be increased by about $70 per night, depending. However, in the suites, um, they don't charge per person because they anticipate them being right. large groups of people. And that is one benefit to being a Disney Vacation Club member, whether you're staying with one or the full number of people. There's no cash equivalent to that. It's the same number of points per night. Just something to keep in mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. So over at the Boardwalk Inn, let's start there, and then we'll talk about the villas at the Boardwalk. There is obviously a bunch of different room options at the Boardwalk Inn. Um, there are a lot that are considered standard in the sense that, that there's like it's a standard room, right? It's mm-hmm. the, the room you've come to know and love. This one happens to be 434 square feet, so larger than your, your uh, value and some moderate. Um, but really, this is a deluxe resort for where you are and all the other stuff that's About the size the of resort. your bathroom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, no. So 434 feet, and the rooms sleep up to five, depending on the configuration. They do have some that's just the one king bed. They have the king bed and the day bed, the two queens, the two queens and the day bed. Two queens and a day bed sounds like a podcast I might want to listen to. <laughs> Um, But those are all the different configurations, and those range anywhere from $510 to $948 a night. And the the difference in all that is the different views, right? You have a standard view, a garden view, and a water view. And 
Um, we'll just talk about that here. So a standard view, there really aren't any like bad standard views at this resort. Mm-hmm. Um, the garden view, depending on if you're on ground level or not, you're often facing like the interior of the resort and just get like some nice stuff to it's look at. It's a beautiful area it's over there. It's beautiful. Like there's no... Yes. I would I would agree with you. Like, there's no bad view from that. Yeah, some area. resorts overlook parking lots or overlook like the behind the scenes of like restaurants and stuff. But the way that this is laid out, there really aren't a lot of that. A lot of a lot of opportunity there's for that. Just the way that it's greenery. like. Yes. Yeah. And then your water view is really essentially a boardwalk view because if you think about it, the water they're talking about is Crescent Lake. Right. What's on Crescent Lake? The boardwalk. Right. So. It's essentially a boardwalk view. They actually call it a boardwalk view over on the villa's side, but here at the inn, it's called a water view. Up from a standard room is a standard room plus club level. So the innkeeper's club is their concierge level where you're entitled to the small plate foods and beverages and stuff throughout the day. Um, That's anywhere from 700 to 1200 a night. Now, this is where things get interesting. So next up is a deluxe room, also club level. It's just slightly bigger than a standard room. Now you're up to 644 square feet. So you've added on about 200 square feet. It's basically like like a long room. They basically took like a regular room and just like attached a little extra like mini room to it. So you have a little bit of separation there because you can sleep six here. You have two queen beds and what what like the normal room is. And then the little area they added on, there's another queen bed pullout sofa. Um so you get like six six adults in there. That obviously assumes that you're sharing a bed. So if you right. are traveling with six people, you're sleeping with somebody, <laughs> whether you like them or not. Now, these are all the cool rooms at the boardwalk. Mm. Some of these are bucket list items. Actually, everything I'm about to say is a bucket list item. Are these the ones that we that we like saw with the little fence? Okay. All yeah. Right. So this is the, the outer building garden rooms. They are two-story loft-style suites with private access. So we walked out there that day. They have their own little garden. So you have a little gate. To walk into your little, little patio like garden thing. Fence gate. It's beautiful. With a little archway, right? They have like little doves or whatever, hearts like in the fence and stuff. And Mickey's like, it's so cool back yeah. there. Yeah. Your own little garden. You don't have to tend to it. The workers will do that for you. There was a bunch but of butterflies. We were like, look at all the butterflies. Yeah, like, I mean, come on. It's romantic, right? I mean, it's a great, it's like truly a great honeymoon option. I yeah. have friends who stayed there on their honeymoon. I'm incredibly jealous. Um, It only sleeps too because of the layout of the room. There on the first floor, it is there's like a couch, a half bath, and you go up the stairs and it's loft style, so there's no door or anything. But you go up the stairs. There's where the primary bedroom is, and then up there, there's the full bathroom. But ultimately, there are two bathrooms, which is really great for when you're both getting ready in the morning. By the way, I, I love a room where there's two bathrooms, even if it's a half and a full, yeah, or even just a toilet and a full upstairs. That's great. Um, it is considered club level. So this is an interesting one where you have to like leave the area to get to the club level, but still these rooms again, honeymoon, uh, or again, bucket list item for all Greg here, but it's $957 to $1,500 a night, depending on season. So they're expensive, but like if you're, if you're getting married and you want to, you, and maybe the grand Floridian isn't your thing. Um, man, those would be more private, I would say. Yeah, it's true. It's it's tucked away. It's secluded. It's definitely quiet. You're not on the boardwalk. You're actually on the opposite side of the of the building as the boardwalk. And down there is this nice garden with a quiet pool near there. So if you wanted to have some pool time, it's you almost do that. like if you've. So we went to like an all inclusive resort, right? For our mm-hmm. honeymoon, we went to Antigua to one of the like sandals resorts. Okay. It, it felt a lot like that. Like when you're walking okay. to your room and it's quiet, but there's like a quiet pool. Like it felt like that's mm. like the Disney version of that. Yes. So I definitely could see the whole like honeymoon thing being for that. 
or you know, if That's you're so cool. if you're just celebrating with your partner, whatever, like. You know, if you want to go alone, yeah. and, well, I don't know, do whatever alone. you want to do. Yeah. It's a lot of money to spend to be on your own, but it's okay. <laughs> well, whatever. Some people like well, that. Well, the nice thing is if you don't have money to spend on someone else, you can spend it on yourself. That's true. So up from the outer building garden rooms is the two-bedroom suite, and everything I'm going to mention here is club level, but at this point, with what you're paying, they better be bringing food, direct. they better be putting food directly into my mouth in some of these rooms. So the two-bedroom suite <laughs> They is, literally uh, walk by, and they put grapes in your... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Grapes. They better be uh, mozzarella sticks and onion rings, to, based on what we were talking about That's earlier. True. That's true. So uh, the two-bedroom suite is 1,288 square feet, bigger than the first place we lived in. Uh, it sleeps nine. It's got three beds and a pull-out couch, so it's big, right? It's meant to be for a, a family. Up from there is the Sonora Vice pre- Vice President. Work, work, Vi- work, Sonora, work your body line. <laughs> um, the VP suite. It's thirteen hundred square feet. So get this: it's bigger than the two-bedroom suite, which sleeps nine, but this sleeps six. It's meant to be spread out, right? It's got three beds, but it's got a big old kitchen table right there in the middle and a full living room area. That's the difference. So okay. more space, fewer um, fewer spots to sleep because you're meant to be able to like hang out in it and have a big dinner right there. It is essentially like a big, like a conference table or like an old school, like round table. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. you'd hang out with your knights and lords and ladies <laughs> around this table here at the Sonora Suite. Um and I found out a little uh, backstory with the name and why it's called the Sonora Suite. And this is from www.luxuryguide.com is where I learned this information. Sonora Carver was a woman who had a diving horse act in the 1920s at the Atlantic City Boardwalk. What was her act, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. She would plunge 40 feet on the back of a horse in a tank of water. That okay. was her have you ever seen That wild, was her big show. Have you ever seen Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken? No. Oh, okay. Is that, that was, what that's about? Yeah, like this. I don't know if it's, I'm assuming it's maybe about her. Uh, okay. But that's like what the whole thing is, is like, I mean, basically she's a horse diver. That's what they do. This whole act. And she like becomes blind and it's like this whole love story. And Jake Ryan from Pretty in Pink or 16 Candles. Okay. Which one? Which one was he in? That uh, beats Candles? me. I haven't seen either. Uh, anyways, he's like the love interest in it. And of course, he's a hottie bobati. So uh, highly recommend if you want to know more about this whole thing. Wild hearts can't be broken. You're welcome. Okay. It's really interesting know, to I watch because just... you're like the horse has to basically like run, like run and jump up this to thing, its death, and you basically. like they literally would jump on the horse right as it was about to jump off. Yes. So That's yeah, wild. it's this whole crazy thing. But yeah, it was a yes. big thing back then. Yeah, and as a, I'm joking, by the way, the, the horse did yeah. not jump to its death. <laughs> no. But like, I wonder, like the very first time they got the horse to do it, like what did that horse think? Yeah. Like, oh my god. Seriously. Man, wild. <sighs> they asked if it wanted to, to participate, and it said nay. <laughs> so, um, all right. So the, the biggest room they have here, like we mentioned, is the Steeplechase Suite. Truly a bucket list item here. Please go out to YouTube. I'll see if I can find a, a link to a, a good video mm-hmm. um, of the Steeplechase Suite and put it in the show notes because it's gigantic. It's 2,100, like just under 2,200 square wow. feet. Wow. Um, it's, I mean, it's, that's the way that it's situated is, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's bigger than my house. So like, um, if you're on the boardwalk and you're outside the ice cream place or like flying fish, basically like in that zone, if you look up, you can kind of see their balcony because it's the only one where you can tell it's connected. They have like two dividers to where the the primary bedrooms are, but it's the only one that doesn't have like multiple. So, you know, it's all Mm -hmm. one balcony. Oh, wow. I'm I'm looking at photos of it. It is. Yes. 
it's ornate to say the least, right? Like you just yeah. you got to see it to believe it. It's completely it's over the top. It's like you're walking into someone's home. Yes. At Disney. It has a foyer. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Decorating so is Go check it out. It's anywhere from 2700 to 42 and change a night for $4,200 a night depending on daily weekend season. But if it's even on your radar, I, I have a, I imagine the price tag isn't really an issue for you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even find it to book it on like the Disney website. So it's probably one of the mm-hmm. ones where you have to call and speak to somebody kind of a thing. So it's well, one of those you, specialty They're like, suites. I'm sorry, what's your name? And you tell yeah, your like, name no, and then they're you. like, mm, sorry, but that's not sorry, available. Sorry, you don't even go here. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even go so here. <laughs> it's, it's the big it's the big suite. It's really a really cool thing. And that's the, the biggest uh, option here at the Boardwalk Inn. Over on the villas side, it's your typical Disney Vacation Club accommodations. They're all villas, which means they have a little extra than what a normal room would be. The uh, the starter is the Deluxe Studio, which is actually 412 square feet, which is technically smaller than a standard room. Yeah. But for a deluxe room, that that's about right. It does sleep five. And if you're wondering what makes a villa a villa, even though a studio is basically the same thing as a regular room, it always has the extra little kitchenette. Mm. So the microwave, mm-hmm. the full-size coffee maker, all rooms have a fridge, but it has that, the toaster, um, and a separate little sink. So it's like, it is truly a kitchenette, which is very helpful, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um, particularly at this resort, and we'll talk about why in a minute when it comes to getting coffee. So it is helpful um, to have your own coffee machine in room. Up from the deluxe studio is the one bedroom and two bedroom villas. And those are standard villas like they are in the other Disney Vacation Club resorts. The uh, the one bedroom has the primary room where it has like the, the full bed the uh, full bathroom, and then separate from that is the living area where it has the kitchen and living room combination. The last time we stayed at the boardwalk, that's the room. Actually, that's not true. We stayed at a studio, but before that, we stayed at a uh, one-bedroom there. And it's, it's just really nice. Mm-hmm. Recently redone, like recent-ish. It's so bright in there. They got rid of the carpeting in a lot of the spots, mm-hmm. so like it's that yeah. that kind of wood flooring look. and Yeah. It's just They really Vinyl, did a good job, I, in my wood. personal opinion, redoing those rooms. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, the biggest room in the villas side is the three-bedroom grand villa. So most of the vacation club resorts, all of them, the vacation club resorts have the grand villa, but that's always like the biggest room yeah. that they have available. This one is 2,491 square feet. So Woo! like, let's call that 2,500 square feet, okay? We're nine f- square feet away at that point. Put your foot out the bal- the balcony, then you've got your extra nine square feet. So uh, like it's, it's about 2,500 square feet. It's larger than the steeplechase, right? Yeah. Well, this is a little bit, it's different in the sense that like they have two story versions and one story version. Ah, so okay. like Got you. it may feel smaller if you're in the two story because you're going up. Right. But like, think about that. You have a room where there are stairs and this is not unique to the boardwalk. The We've talked about it mm-hmm. at Old Key West where they have the two story. But um, not all of the Grand Villas are two. They actually have some that are one. This is kind of odd for this resort, unique to this resort, I should say, where there are options for your Grand Villa. Some have stairs and some don't. Um, they sleep 12. They have five beds and a pull-out sofa. Man, so six beds, essentially, each, you know, assuming that you're going to put two people per bed, up to 12 people. Um, all of the Grand Villas uh, have a view of the boardwalk. Okay. Nice. Which is good to know. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, the number of points per night, just FYI, mm-hmm. if you are a Disney Vacation Club member, the points per night for a uh, garden view and a boardwalk view are the same, which is cool. No extra, No, like, upcharge, if you will, for that. They don't call it a water view like the inn does. They call it a boardwalk view because it's truly a, right. a boardwalk view. And we've we've stayed here before um, in a studio, like I mentioned. Most recently, it was May of uh, 
2021, Wasn't I want to say. When, when I came? Um, was that after when we, I came? I don't know. We stayed here in May, and then we also stayed in October for our friends uh, Mariah and JT's wedding, but we were in a different room for that. Yeah. But the, the one room we had... Um, uh, where we were in like a like a corner kind of a room. Yeah. Like we were the first room in the hallway where, and I know I mentioned this when we did our episode now months ago at this point, but there was an extra window in the room. So yes. typically when you walk into yes. a room, the only natural light is the sliding door in the back because in the in deluxe um, resorts, especially deluxe villas, DVC rooms, you always have a patio and a balcony. And that's like one of the, the great things about mm-hmm. it. So typically that's your only natural light. But in this particular studio we had, because we were like first in the hallway, there was a, another window in the in the room, which was like, like Greg, what's the big deal? It's an extra window. But like it, for some reason, it made a huge freaking difference. I don't know yeah. why. If you look out the window, you're just in like this weird like vestibule like area, like an atrium almost of the resort. But it was nice. It just it just really um, allowed for uh, light from a different side. So if the sun was not setting or rising in the right where the sliding glass door is, it allowed for more light. So if you're looking for that, see if you can request um, a room. Can I get the room with the extra uh, window that Greg from that Park Life podcast said that yes. you guys have? Can I have the Greg window, the please? Greg. It's the Greg suite. Would really like that. Okay, so that's what the the rooms look like over at the inn and the villas. Uh, let's talk about the restaurants that are available. The Abracadabar is a lounge. Let's go in alphabetical order here. Okay. So first is Abracadabar, which every time I went to go type it out in these notes, I I couldn't spell it. I had to keep like. Bar. <laughs> I ha- well, it's abracadabra, yeah. so they switch the R and the A at the end, right? Which yeah. is like genius, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, Disney calls it once a secret lounge of illusion, Ooh. and sure enough, there's a backstory here. That's of what course. I was reading on the Society of Explorers ah. and Adventurers, and why I was late to, to starting okay. recording okay. today. Um, so I found out that the abracadabra backstory. Um, was that it was once a gathering place for stage magicians during the 1930s. So this was, I guess, in the timeline after the boardwalk was like a thing, mm-hmm. but magicians were traveling into town doing their their dog and pony shows. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the night, they would like hang out and drink and whatever. Um, trying to be the lead magician, they would routinely try to upstage one another. And that upstaging competition came to a head in 1940 when magician Lasdo the Lucky performed a disappearing act so large in scale that everyone inside this establishment was never seen again. And legend has it that the magicians that were included in the disappearing act just disappeared to a hidden room within this building, and they say that they make appearances randomly. So if you've ever been in the Abracadabar um, off of the boardwalk, they have um, like posters that like change and some magicians appear and disappear. Mm-hmm. So that is potentially part of the storyline cool. they're talking about here yeah. where they pop up out of nowhere. Um, and they say that after the, dis- the big disappearing act, it was abandoned and closed until approximately 70 years later when it opened as Abracadabar, a place to celebrate the magicians of the past. And there's stuff all over this bar. So... I know that um, you may not go into a bar if you're not going to drink, if you're with kids, but you can still walk around if you want to. Don't feel like you have to go in just to partake in the adult beverages because there's stuff. Yeah. A few examples of the stuff. You can find Dumbo's feather hanging out on a shelf. There's an ad for Fantasia and a printed newspaper in there. Cool. There's a lamp that resembles uh, Genie's lamp. Mm. And there's a file on a shelf named Bed Dobbs. And there's a file next to that that's labeled Broomsticks. <gasps> 
So if you think about it, those are some stories or movies that incorporated magic, if you will. Like and Angela types Lansbury of magic can be found hanging out in there if you just... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so just a couple of like uh, Easter egg things um, over there at the Abracadab Bar. So high, like a highly themed bar mm-hmm. lounge. But then in addition to that, go around and see what you can find in there. The Bellevue Lounge is just off the lobby. They label it a quaint 1930s-style sitting room where radios play programs from the era. Like you mentioned, you Mm -hmm. can hear shows from the 30s and 40s and stuff. In the morning, they sell coffee and pastries. At night, it's a full lounge where you get your cocktails and whatnot. Your your libations, your spirits. Yes, exactly. Um, The reason I point out that uh, it offers coffee and pastries is that's the only indoor place you're going to get your coffees and pastries. If you want to eat anything else, you have to leave the building. Okay. And to me, that's such a huge con that I'll talk about when we get to our pros and cons. Okay. Um, after that is the Big River Grill. It is a table service restaurant. It is not Disney owned and operated, just FYI. The reason I bring that up is you can sometimes find reservations for it on Open Table. Okay. So if you can't find it on the Disney app, yeah. just know that you might be able to try it. It is a microbrewery mm-hmm. type place. So they have different um, beers there and like that type of food. Um, boardwalk ice cream is available on the boardwalk as well formerly occupied by ample hills creamery now it's owned and operated by disney and it is the boardwalk ice cream flying fish is their table service there for like i hear a lot of great things about flying fish constantly it seems to be a yeah. popular restaurant jelly rolls also super popular it's more of a nightclub they have a pia- piano bar with the dueling pianos yes. it is 21 and up to get in um, and it's just like a really active, lively place to be. Like you wouldn't go there to have like a romantic conversation. Yeah. That's more of an activity to have to have fun kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the pizza window is available there. I'll be honest, never had it, won't have it. Sorry from New York, not going to happen. But that is a counter service <laughs> option over there at the boardwalk. And the Trattoria Al Forno is their uh, table service. And it is an Italian themed cuisine dining location. Mm-hmm. Um, you may remember it as being character dining in the morning with all different types of pastries and then switching over to the Italian uh, food at night. And they have the the bakery over there too, right? The Boardwalk Bakery is there too. Oh, did I skip that? I went alphabetically and skipped the bakery, which is probably the thing that everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> right? I feel like that's the, probably the most popular thing. Sorry. It is a quick service. They have salads and sandwiches, pastries and desserts, depending on time of day, uh, breakfast, sandwiches, and then everything else in the second half of the day as well. Your shops, like you mentioned, Dundee Sundries, the Screen Door General Store is the big um, retail location there. That's right off of the boardwalk. You don't have to go up the stairs or anything. Mm-hmm. It's humongous. They have a little bakery counter there, similar to what you like sometimes see in some of the different shops where it has like cupcakes and the uh, candy apples and Rice Krispie treats. Yeah, just um, like a mini not made version. locally. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can tell they're brought in because it's a little. It's a yeah. It's a gift shop that happens to have a front of stuff. Thimbles and Threads is the other part of that store. And they also have the Wyland Galleries. So that's like the kind of fancy art store that's like just mm. off of the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. So if you're walking toward the lobby off the boardwalk, it's in like a little nook off to the right. And that's all like the really cool artwork art. and like statues and stuff. Yeah. That That's one of those stores where I put my hands in my pockets because I don't want to like accidentally knock over anything. Um, all kinds of recreation and entertainment at this resort. We've mentioned a bunch of them. Obviously, the the different bars and lounges the uh, jelly rolls the atlantic dance hall is a place you can hang out 
Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute when I talk about some experiences I've had at this resort. Um, there's fishing excursions, Surrey bikes, you know, those four-person bikes mm-hmm. with a little basket in the front that you can run around, run around, ride around, ride around. Uh, Crescent Lake. I do have to tell you that don't let the Surrey bike, the ease of a Surrey bike um, confuse you here because, yeah, you have multiple people pedaling, but just know there are quite the inclines <laughs> on on the path here because mm. you're going on the path around crescent lake and as you're let's say passing the beach club and approaching epcot you have to go up because you're going up above water right so you're going up there again and then you come down on the other side when you're passing the swan and dolphin area so depending on which direction you're going on there's quite quite an incline quite and they tell you when you rent the bike that on the way down Get ready to engage the brakes because you're going to be going way too fast on the way down. And I will tell you from firsthand experience, they were very accurate about that. <laughs> um, they have a bunch of games out on the midway there like you would find at, I don't know, Toy Story Midway Mania mm-hmm. or Toy Story Mania, depending on which park you're in. Um, and, of course, the feature pool that we mentioned, Luna Park, recently redone to be the Keister Coaster. We said goodbye to the big freaky yeah. clown where, Scary as clown. Um, the Diz puts it, good old Pete Werner puts it, the slide that used to vomit out children <laughs> out of the clown's mouth is now the Keister Coaster. So the design there is now the cartoon style of Mickey and Minnie, what Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is, those that style mm-hmm. of cartoon. And uh, I think it's cool. I, I think it looks really like yeah. nice and bright over there. I, I, I like that art style, that animation style, mm-hmm. personally. Um, let's talk about what's going on at this resort and what you should be looking out for when you're making your reservation or staying here at, um, at the boardwalk. So I talked a little bit about the different views and I'll tell you, there really isn't a bad standard view for the most part. So if you don't want to splurge for a garden or a water view, which is really a boardwalk view, just go the standard view on the inside. I think, I think you'll find it satisfactory on the DVC side, um, on the, uh, the balcony we had that one time that technically faced the pool. So like we were technically facing the Luna Park pool, but there were a lot of trees that were obscuring it, which thus makes it not like a pool view. So it's technically a standard view. But um, if you on our balcony, if you just look right, you saw the back of the Tower of Terror, which was so cool. And I happen to have my big old zoom lens with me. So I got what I thought to be these like really nice, cool angles of Tower of Terror. So a standard view, view room is, is just as good uh, or is good enough for me. Obviously, the best would be the boardwalk view. Mm -hmm. They do say, I have heard some feedback, that on the inside or the villa side, that when you have your water view, which is like a boardwalk view, or a true boardwalk view on the DVC side, you're obviously going to get a little noise, Mm -hmm. right? If you're just above, especially as you're lower down, um, you're going to hear some stuff at night in the morning. So if you're a light sleeper, maybe that's not the room for you. Or if you have kids that are light sleepers, maybe those are not the rooms for you. But what a great opportunity to people watch. Just oh, yeah. in the morning, make your coffee in your room. If you're staying on the villa side, open up your your uh, door there, sit on the balcony, and people watch and watch the sun rise mm-hmm. over the water. Like That's beautiful, if you ask me. The uh, the boardwalk ice cream, I'll be honest, like isn't like super fancy mm-hmm. ice cream, but like it's good. I mean, the brownie a la mode there I had was good when we were there. Uh, a pro tip for you, just remember as Epcot closes, the line becomes long. So people are leaving Epcot, going back to the rooms at the boardwalk, often walk by the ice cream, like, oh, let's get ice cream, yeah. right, on the way back. Like, that's, like, our way to close out the night. So I would say as long as you're there before, like, 7-ish, you're probably in good shape. Um, I know that maybe prime dessert time for you is after 7. I'm just letting you know, I would say, a safe time if you're looking to enjoy ice cream. 7. Um, especially during the summer, it mm, gets pretty mm-hmm. busy. For the bakery, I will tell you that actually an, an overall 
assessment of the quick service options at the boardwalk are not great for old Greg because, uh, I don't know, like Nicole and I stayed there and we left to eat. We went over to Coronado Springs and ate over there because we were looking for like something a little diverse, I guess. What kind of stuff does does the bakery have like? At night, it's really like for lunch and dinner, it's it's all prepackaged stuff, Uh, right? So it's like turkey sandwich. Don't get me wrong. Like if that's what you're looking for, good. But like that's not what we were looking for. Like we can go home and make a sandwich, right? Disney meal. Not like I wanted a meal, something that I try to do a thing where like if I can get it at home, like you can get it at public. I want to pay for it, right? (laughs) Yeah, like if I'm going to pay the premium, I want it to be something that I would just never make for myself. Either I'm too lazy or I don't know how to do it. Mm So and that I'm, that doesn't always apply, as you know. I go to Cosmic Rays and get a burger. Right, okay, I'm right. talking about like when I'm at a resort. Sometimes uh, that's that's the vibe you, I'm looking for. Excuse you. It is a for. Disney burger with sunny eclipse. Oh, so it's that is different. true. It's all about the environment. Um, but the the breakfast items at the bakery are good. The butter butter sandwich they have oh there. God. It's a brioche bread with ham, cheese, and a cheese sauce on. Like and of course like butter. Na- <laughs> well, yeah. Now we're talking, right? It's so like that. That's a little more what I'm looking yeah. for. But again, Something in order to that's get to like the breakfast, hot and not prepackaged. Correct. Yeah. But again, like I mentioned, to get there, you have to leave. So like some of these hallways are kind of windy. So we'll get there in a minute. The uh, Big River Grill I mentioned is available on open table. Just something to keep in mind if you can't find a reservation anywhere. Okay. Let's talk about some pros and cons of this resort. And I I really think this is a a fun place to stay at. And I do have some cons, but I want to talk about the pros first. Walking distance to Epcot and Hollywood Studios. You can technically walk to Hollywood Studios from like the Beach Club, Yacht Club, but it's such a it's mm. a longer walk. Yeah. But where you are at the boardwalk, you're you're much closer to Hollywood Studios and obviously Epcot. They do have the boats available. If you're going to Epcot and you're comfortable walking, just walk. Don't take the boat. It takes so much longer. Mm. Maybe on the way back when you're done with your your trip to the park, maybe you're taking a break in the middle part of the day, you don't want to walk. Maybe I would take the boat then if you're, like, trying to, like, spend time, you know? Yeah. And relax. But if you're trying to get to, like, rope drop, don't don't rely on the boats. Just walk. Um, of course, you have these access to the Skyliner. Closer to the Beach Club, but it's really not a long walk. However, if you're going to Hollywood Studios, you might be better off just walking than taking the Skyliner. It's quite the roundabout way. Um, or maybe the boat, but the boat's just the friendship boats. Fun, don't get me wrong, but they're just so slow. Take forever, yeah. Because they stop at the other resorts. Mm-hmm. So you have the boardwalk, the boardwalk beach, the uh, sorry, the beach club yacht club shares a, a port, and then you have to go over to the Swan and Dolphin as well. So like, yeah, depending on on time of day and season. So just know that it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of time. The running path there is fun. I know because I've done it. That's one of my places to go to run. It's like 0.8 of a mile in a full a full circle there. Okay. But it's fun because you get to run by the yacht club, then by the beach club. You get to go up over to where like you're approaching Epcot. See the Skyliner in the background. And then you go run on the actual boardwalk, like the, the right. planks of the boardwalk. It's cool. Like, it's a fun place. And then you get to go up to the bridge that um, approaches the Swan of the Dolphin. And for me, it's a, a fun place to run around. There's a big lawn, like a big quad area, if you will, for relaxing. You can pick up a game of maybe hacky sack or something. Mm. Hang out with your friends and uh, talk about stuff and play frisbee. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, it's a nice like place. And that's the thing about deluxe resorts. There's usually places to hang out, like dedicated hangout places. And that's true here as well. Is the lawn area like hub grass sort of, or is it like actual Disney grass? Yeah, it's not real. It's not real grass. Oh, Sorry, okay. everybody. They don't. They're not mowing that grass. Well, no. I mean, it's kind of um, nice when it's like the fake. Yeah, you know. it's where they do their movie under the stars oh, okay. at night. Mm-hmm. It's where there's a, a Christmas tree during Christmas time. Are there like, shady it's a, it's a cool areas place. over there? Or is it just all out in the sun? 
that lawn is not shaded, but then uh, it's like, this is going to sound strange. Okay. Underneath the lobby, there's shaded spots. Okay. So technically the lobby is on a second floor. Mm-hmm. So as you're going, as you're approaching the lobby and you're approaching the stairs to, to go up, there are um, like lounge chairs yeah. that are under the shade okay. of the building and it's all concrete, but there's also a huge bed of flowers and plant life and stuff okay. that you get to look at. And then you're also overlooking the backdrop of the beach. And yacht club, so bring and you, obviously bring the your sunbrella if you will, if you need it. Yes, for people like me. Your parasol. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of fun touches in the rooms and the lobbies. I know you mentioned some stuff, yeah. and they point out a lot of them um, at at Mouse Planet. But some things to look for when you're in the lobby. If you go off to the right, there's a hallway full of like art and and photos of old school Atlantic City Boardwalk in the mm-hmm. early 1900s. Those old, I don't even know what they're called, but like the things where you, you um, like the penny arcade stuff. You like used to put the thing in and you like crank oh, yeah. the thing. You look in the viewfinder, like yeah. those are all in there and stuff too. But in the rooms themselves, there's some touches going on that I think you'll um, want to look for. Because I feel like that's something that people are looking for, I think, in Disney rooms where they like the Disney touch. And then when the touch gets taken away, people complain. But <laughs> they like the Disney touch. But sometimes it's like, okay, is it over the top? Is it subtle? And I feel like this is like the right balance here in the inside. It's a little lacking in the DVC side. But on the uh, on the inside in the in rooms inside the room there's a painting of a carousel and it's people in the 1920s with their big poofy formal outfits on but it's no ordinary carousel it's actually prince charming's carousel and behind that is cinderella castle so you're blending like the boardwalk right. people vibe with disney and to me that's a really cool touch yeah. also in the in rooms are um, the big ferris wheels on the shower curtain like i mentioned there is uh, a frame full of postcards sent by Donald and Daisy staying at the boardwalk to Mickey and Minnie with the Disneyland address. That's awesome. Dated 1916. Shout out to our friends Sarah and Alan who stayed there. And Sarah sent me a photo. She's like, what does the date mean? And what's 1916 mean? Yeah. And I couldn't find mm. anything about what that date meant other than a big giant fire that happened. But anyway, I don't know. I don't think people made it. But um, 1916 is maybe just a general year for early 1900s when people were like doing this boardwalk mm-hmm. thing. This was a turn of the century time. Um, so maybe that was just a really popular year for, for travel to the boardwalk, trying to escape the, the, fires. the horrors of life. I don't know. Things going on. There are hidden Mickeys and the light fixtures in the rooms, the window curtains. So like the curtains that lead out to your balcony or patio have sketches of the boardwalk, like of Disney's boardwalk on it, which is cool. Um, on the villas side, there's a lot less of that. Sorry, everybody. It's it's a little bit more generic with their artwork. Mm-hmm. It's just like pictures of um, like fairs and carnivals and stuff, like those rides that like shoot you up into the sky and bring you back down, mm-hmm. or f- Ferris wheels. But um, they do have Mickey's on the curtains there as okay. well that lead out to the balcony in the on the DVC side. Okay, let's talk about the cons. These are some like serious cons because we stayed at the villas side quite a bit and. Those hallways are long, yeah. man. You could be walking. So if you like park your car in the parking lot, in the main lot, um, and you have to get to your room, you're like really going up and out of the way. Like I just, mm. it's, they they planned out where everything is in relation to each other from the lobby, like kind of okay, but you, it is, it is a walk for coming from the buses or from the cars. And if you park in what is essentially the villa parking lot, there's no actual dedicated walkway. You like they basically make you walk toward the front of the building to get in, or you have to walk on the road, which is really built for pargos, golf courts, right. or other vehicles. I know because as a cast member, I've driven on that little driveway back there, like 
coming very close to guests yeah. who are treating it as a walkway and it's not meant to be it's it's blacktop right like it's truly a roadway but it's the quickest way to get to your rooms because there's like no quick walkway hmm. um from either of the two parking lots i really wish they could have done something it's too late now because the other side of the resort is water so yeah. they can't like build out right. over there it it's it is what it is i mentioned what i consider to be a lack of uh quick service meals and i stand behind that you have to leave your room to get there you have to deal with the the elements if it's hot by the way spoiler it's hot yeah. often raining or whatever or super humid and buggy out you got to leave you got to leave the building like quite a bit to get your food um, i wrote in my notes parking situation is dumb <laughs> which i mentioned also those freaky chairs with the kids faces yeah, on the it ones, in the lobby the what were they took the, thinking the pictures of Yes. Oh my sure, gosh. Sure, there's a whole oh, story gotta, behind them. We got to dig up those photos of us yeah. again, uh, taking, opposing with those, um, with those little chairs. So, wrapping up with the boardwalk, um, you may know that I got married at the boardwalk. Mm. So, way back in March of 2015, little Greg and little Nicole <laughs> said, I do, over at Sea Breeze Point, um, which is just off the boardwalk there. It's just outside of now what used to be the ESPN club. It's one of the standard locations for the Disney Fairytale Weddings. It's nothing extra or anything. And it was beautiful. We had our photos taken out there uh, in the lobby. We The photographer was like, get those chairs out of the way. The little mm-hmm. the little face, children's <laughs> face chairs. Um, we got to take these beautiful photos on the lawn I was mentioning and like the benches and by the photo booth. Just like everything was so beautiful there. You need there. to post some of those photos. Yeah, I got to dig those up. Now, the thing about the Disney Fairytale Wedding is we had to choose the photos we want. So we got a bunch of the photos, but they're like super, super small in mm-hmm, size. Mm-hmm. Then we had to choose like, I don't know, 15 or 20 of the ones we actually like we got could get a full size of. Yeah. So I got to dig those up. But yeah, I'll find those and I'll post them because it was obviously a great time, right? Great time had by all. And um, that's probably my, my biggest experience at the boardwalk was our wedding. And we've been there for other people's weddings. Mm-hmm. And like we go there to to eat or to hang out and it's like a meeting place for when you have friends in town if you're local so that about wraps it up for our resort rundown on the boardwalk although i did tell a few more colorful stories over on our bonus episode from our patreon page and there is a link if you'd like to gain access to our bonus episodes too to our patreon page in the show notes Two little teeny tiny nugs. Okay. Little nug. They're nuggets. nuggets. They're even smaller than a nugget. They're nuggets. Um, Flower Garden starts this week. Yeah. So look for Ya Boy being their opening day on Wednesday, March 2nd. Um, getting hopefully some pics of uh, videos of what's going on over at Flower and Garden. And then next week, we get the return of the Festival of Fantasy. It's coming. We talked yes. about these dates, but like now they're around the corner. So the Festival of Fantasy parade, of course, over at Magic Kingdom. Happening at the hottest part of the day. Yep, you know everyone. But it is the coolest parade. You know so. everyone's gonna go nuts when Maleficent fires off first. Ooh. It's gonna be yes. I mean, they go nuts anyway, but just because it's coming yeah. back, people are gonna be all excited about it. So yes, absolutely. Can't wait to hear that. Right. Hear that applause. Yeah, well, I'm excited about it. There was applause even for the debut of Mickey's Magical Friendship Fair. So you know people are gonna go crazy for Faf. Yes. Okay, going back in time for some Disney history, brought to you in partnership with the Mouselets course head over to their instagram their tiktok their website all of that is the mouselets the website's themouselets.com for their merch and like fun stuff you can't get anywhere did we say did we say mouselets the mouselets mouselets. all right what do you got 
Okay, I'm doing a little bit more like historical things because we're already talking about oh. some history here. But uh, and this goes back to this week in 1997, the number five locomotive, the Ward Kimball, named for the great Disney animator, is dedicated at the Magic Kingdom Park at Walt Disney World. So I wanted to give a little backstory here. It says, in 1995, Southern California Railroad enthusiast Bill Norad traded his 1927 Davenport locomotive to Disneyland in exchange for the five retired Clarestory-roofed Retlaw one coaches. <laughs> I don't really know what that word means, Sounds but anyone me. who knows locomotives <laughs> does. Uh, the locomotive was instead sent to Walt Disney World after deemed too large to operate in California, and it was dedicated as number five Ward Kimball. Unfortunately, the locomotive will never pull a public train on the Walt Disney World Resort, as it is found to be far too small for operation. It will be put on display at Epcot and then later returned to the Disney World Engine House. In 1999, it was traded to Cedar Point for a smaller Forney locomotive, which after restoration will become the Disneyland Railroad No. 5 Ward Kimball in 2005. So kind of like this like, for full circle thing here with this locomotive, but I love the locomotives. Hmm. I'm all about yeah. it. The Ward Kimball. The Ward Kimball. What you got? All right. Oh, that's right. I got to give my history. I was, about, yeah. I was about to say enough of history, but I didn't even say mine yet. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to take us back to 1999. When, <laughs> when then Disney MGM Studios, mm -hmm. a third drop was mm -hmm. added to Tower of Terror. And if you're thinking, well, Greg, what does that even mean? How were you quantifying the drops? When it opened, it was like one the drop. one drop. And then they did the thing where you would go down about halfway, mm -hmm. go up, and then drop again. And then at this point, it was a third drop. Now and it's now like we have a million drops. Now it's the computerized, yeah. random, generated you don't know sequence, what's which happening. is the way to do it. Yeah, it is. You don't even know what's up except for you because you're in an elevator. You don't even know what's up until you're up. That's what it is. Yes, basically. All right, before we wrap this episode up with a quote from yours truly, not yours truly, it's Greg. Greg's going to do it. Uh, <laughs> if you like what you heard today, feel free to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. It just helps us to be located easier uh, in the whole world of Disney podcasts over there. And we just like being your premier Disney podcast. So head over there and leave us a fun review. You can also follow along with us on Instagram or TikTok at That Park Life Podcast. My personal Instagram is at TheRealBethMcDonald. And I am at the Disney Greg. And as always, you can head over to our website, which is That Park Life Podcast, to submit a request for an episode, share a magical cast member that we will share in the show. And if you want to submit a magic gram, it's free for everyone because we love sharing the magic. So um, I have a quote for us all. I know we mentioned the different number of opinions swirling around on TikTok and Instagram about the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. And I, I mentioned that I'm not, you know, like a, a giant Star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. If I were a fan and I were a kid or even an adult who loves Star Wars, I would, I'm pretty sure I'd be crapping my pants, right? <laughs> like I've seen some cool stuff yeah. coming from the videos of people that I follow on TikTok and Instagram about that. And I think Walt Disney put this concept a little more eloquently than saying I would crap my pants if I were a kid. Oops, I crap my pants can hold a lot of dung. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, as Walt once said uh, on this particular topic, quote, that's the real trouble with the world. Too many people grow up, they forget. Mm, true. So I will say sometimes it's important to kind of step out of our, our jaded adult lives and think, oh, this is really just meant to be enjoyed. If it's, mm -hmm. not, if it's not quite your cup of tea, then it's not meant for you. It is meant for somebody. And I think people are enjoying lots of things at Disney. And that's why I go back week after week after week because I am convinced that I have not lost touch, or I try to make sure I have not lost touch 
with the inner Greg, the inner little Greg that grew up with a lot more hair than adult Greg has. But still, trying to keep that perspective fresh in my mind every week. All right, well, on that note, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for hanging out, letting us talk all about Disney's Boardwalk. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out and our Ask Us Anything yeah. or Ask Us our Disney Q&A stuff. Whatever. whatever. We'll right. see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.